This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. American farmers who are already being impacted by the trade war with China are now facing more issues with the partial government shutdown. The billions of dollars bailout they were promised to make up for the losses due to the trade conflict are on hold. USDA offices are closed, creating a backlog of loan applications, among other things. The department has also been forced to delay publishing data on the markets that farmers use to better understand their sectors. The loss of data also is important to traders and producers as they use that to plan their approach for the spring planting season, which is a couple of months away. With more on this, we are joined on the phone by uh, Stefan Schmidt, who is an endowed professor of political science at Iowa State uh, University. And also joining us is Joe Outlaw, who is a professor and extension economist at Texas A&M University. He's also co-director of the Agricultural and Food Policy Center at the school as well. Stefan, Joe, thank you both for your time today. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thank you both. Uh, I mentioned several issues there in the mix where where farmers are concerned. Stefan, I'll start with you. What do you think are are, are really the big ones that are of concern to them right now? Well, I'm looking out of my farmhouse window right now, and it's covered with snow out there. But my neighbors are extremely worried about uh, the National Agricultural Statistics Service and and the uh, Office of Chief Economist being closed. They produce those reports that you were talking about, without which farmers essentially are driving in a a zero-visibility snowstorm. They can't see what crop production is like. They can't see what world agricultural supply and demand looks like. They don't have information on grain stocks. Um, It is very, very dangerous for them because they're making decisions right now on borrowing, on what seeds to, to, to plant. In other words, are we going to go soybeans? Are we going to go corn, which is mostly what we grow in Iowa? So this is really uh, the lack of uh, the information that USDA uh, provides through those services is, is very dangerous. And, and, and my neighbors are very upset, even though they support President Trump on deregulation and the EPA and other things. Right. But they're, they're very worried, and, and they think this shutdown which is about a border wall, really should not take them down with it. Joe, where do you see the impact greatest? Well, I, I don't disagree with what he said. I guess the, the, for, for me, the, the biggest deal is, is where money doesn't change hands or assistance doesn't come. So the second payment of the trade assistance was supposed to start happening uh, before the end of the year. So a few people may have gotten their second payment uh, on, the, on the trade assistance, but um, most people probably didn't get all their information into FSA before the, the government shut down. So that's one area. Then the, the, the other one that's kind of a big deal here in, in the South is that uh, uh, farmers, especially cotton farmers, will use the loan and the marketing loan and to uh, they will put their crops in the loan and, and market it that way. And with the government shut down, uh, they are not able to use that uh, loan process to to benefit their operations like they would if it was available. So, again, I, I don't disagree about the data access, but, but 
frankly, there's a lot of other third-party vendors that, that provide some of that. The government is best, and it's the fact, most factual. But uh, there are there is some other data out there, but I, I tend to focus on where they're not actually getting uh, financial assistance. So how much impact are the farmers there in, in your part of the country really being impacted by all of these issues that are that are really coming to 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 the forefront at the same time because a lot of people have wondered of how much the trade the battle going on with China has been impacting them and then throw this on top of it and as we mentioned uh, the subsidy that was supposed to be coming from the government Joe right uh, you know it's one of those things I do I do a lot of of speaking. Um, engagements with producers and uh, you would think that the farmers were much more concerned about it uh, but they're 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 concerned but but it's not as bad as uh, as you would think the, the big deal is most of the assistance from uh, agriculture these days is in the form of either the uh, uh, arc payments or PLC which those were those were received that, that comes right after the first of October for the previous crop year. So that's already in the in the banks, so to speak. And then the other big benefit is crop insurance, which isn't ha, doesn't have any effect uh, by the shutdown, um, uh, their ability to secure crop insurance. So while it's an uneasiness, but it's not devastating, I wouldn't say. Stefan, are there are there specific pieces to the agriculture community that are feeling it the most right now? Well, there are so many pieces. We don't realize until, you know, the lights go out how enormous the uh, Farm Bill, the USDA, and related programs are. You know, here in Iowa, there are a lot of loans for housing, especially uh, rural development. Uh, Small towns are trying to reposition themselves. The lenders for low- and middle-income families to buy homes there are are stopped now and people who were going into those programs um, are hoping their contract doesn't fall through uh, while all this is going on. Um, That's a huge problem. Um, Another thing that came up, uh, I had coffee with one of my friends and neighbors and they were really talking about and very excited about the new hemp industry. Um, That's another piece of agriculture that could balance off uh, the normal dependence on the other crops. And right now, they can't uh, do anything with hemp because uh, it starts with background checks and other legislative issues that farmers will have to jump through if they want to plant hemp. And the offices where they can do all of this are are shut down. So, You know, there's just another specific and, and new example of of how dependent uh, farmers are on a whole series of of services and programs that that are federally funded. Well, Joe, I, for people that that don't follow this closely, take us into that mindset of the farmer who is starting to think about the planting for the spring season because. Uh, you know, sitting here in the snow in Philadelphia, a lot of people would be like, well, you know, you're still three, four months away from having to worry about it. But it seems like it's a process that has to be year round at this point. Absolutely. It's ongoing. And the big big deal is, is that uh, they've started making their decisions on what, how, you know, they've got a certain amount of land. They've been uh, either negotiating new rental agreements towards the end of the year or early right now, trying to pick up new land 
And and so when they start trying to decide, you know, they have a significant cost coming up because regardless of whether whether you're planting corn or soybeans in the Midwest or cotton in in the South, the the, the price of seed is 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 gotten to be really high. And so they've got to make those business decisions. And and back to the the, uh, the point about the data access and what's the market conditions. Again, if they're not uh, if they're not subscribing to other news services, which a lot of them are, but if they aren't, then they, then their their sole source of information, which has been the the, gov- the free government reports, uh, they don't have the information to make those decisions. And so it's going to make them delay. And when you delay, you may and you change your mind later you may not get the seed variety you want yeah. uh, at the price you want and so there there's there's going to be business disruption there's no doubt but so far it hasn't been horrible and and a lot of a lot of the programs uh which we mentioned about you know the new farm bill a lot of those those programs um this delay is is delaying uh, USDA from developing the regulations that have to be uh, put out, and uh, you know that process takes months upon months anyway with every new farm bill, and so this is doing nothing but delaying that process even further. Stephan, you being in the upper upper Midwest, there, well, uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, the impact that this is having on the commodities markets in general, uh, because this has to be ha- having an impact. Well, you know, as they say, prices go up and prices go down, and there is so much stuff going on uh, that either stimulates demand and, and, you know, raises up prices or concern, uh, including the tariffs and so on. But the one thing that that has come up, uh, Dan, that's very interesting, and, and, and maybe Professor Outlaw, you know, is aware of this, too, is that the SNAP program, which um, is a huge part of the farm bill and which provides uh, low-income families with food assistance, obviously drives a lot of the commodity prices for, for, you know, milk and cheese and other things that go into that program. That program uh, is running out of funds, um, and they have only enough funds through January, apparently. And then uh, USDA is very concerned about how they're going to essentially fund those. And here in Iowa... There are roughly 300,000 people, which is a lot, who depend on on food security uh, on these programs. And there's a lot of discussion, including from our governor, who is a Republican and who generally supports President Trump, um, because those are challenges that are now all of a sudden facing local communities. You know, every town, every city uh, is suddenly going, well, what are we going to do with folks, uh, you know, who are on these programs? So. Uh, beyond directly affecting agriculture and, and commodity prices, those things indirectly also have a kind of a ricochet effect. Joe, your thoughts? Well, I agree. I, I think most of the, the people who, you know, I, I spend most of my time worrying about uh, commodity programs and things like that, but there's so much more to agriculture and the interrelationships between uh, agriculture production and communities and small towns and school lunch. And uh, Most people don't put the tie everything together but you really can't affect one part without affecting the other so i I would i would agree about that i think you know that one of the the, it would seem to me that in the short run states are probably going to be asked to to fill some of that need on the food assistance if we get to that point um and then get reimbursed 
I have had a lot of people ask me about uh, the, the employees that are on furlough right now, and uh, this will be an interesting case because at least so far when, when, when we've had these shutdowns, which there have been many over my career, uh, in each case, the, the Congress and the President have worked to get those uh, back pay reinstated for, yeah. the, for, for the workers. And depending upon how long this goes, it, it could be, uh, you know, it's kind of significant. So we'll, we'll have to see how all this shakes out. But, but he's exactly right in that the uh, agriculture is not isolated. It, it, we're, it's very well connected to the rest of the economy and small towns and big towns and the markets and overseas players as well. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. We're talking about the uh, partial government shutdown and the impact being felt by the farming sector. We're joined by Stefan Schmidt of Iowa State University, Joe Outlaw of Texas A&M University. Again, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Stefan, you know, soybean obviously has been a, a, a hot topic uh, this year, especially in the last few months because uh, of the trade dispute. Uh, what is the state of the soybean industry right now and, and the farmers that are growing those? Well, I mean, it's, it's exactly what we were talking about, which is there is optimism because President Trump and the Chinese president are still kind of negotiating and there's a lot of hope actually in the in the bad community here in Iowa that the the trade dispute is going to get settled and the Chinese markets will open up again and, and then that demand which is pretty important because it's a large chunk of of, of world demand for soy uh, you know will will bounce back again but in the meantime, there is a lot of hesitation. Uh, I know my neighbors are looking for other markets uh, that can be uh, basically uh, opened up. Uh, I know that there is a lot of interest in selling beans to Argentina and Brazil, who will then sell them to China because they they don't have a trade dispute with China. So right. there are all these what you would call kind of political economy games going on 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 how to get those beans out of the bins here. I mean, I can see the grain elevator right out my window here, and there are mountains, I mean, literally mountains of, of beans and corn sitting outdoors covered in tarps right now, uh, and they've got to move those. And so there, there is there is hesitation, there is concern. There is also hope that, that President Trump uh, will be able to, to complete a deal with China. You uh, mentioned a little bit ago, uh, about hemp and the, and the growth uh, of hemp. Uh, are some farmers going to consider you know, allotting some of their property to try and grow that, depending on the, on their state, even though it's it's now legal across the 50 states at this point? Oh, there's been huge interest in Iowa. I mean, some of my students, when we had parties here, little cookouts and so on with my students, and they would drive out here to the farm, they would stop and look and come and tell me, Mr. Schmidt, there's marijuana growing out there in the ditches. Yeah. And I would say to them, no, that's actually not marijuana. That's the leftovers from hemp that was grown during World War II to make ropes for the Navy. Uh, so 
hemp has been a big part of the rural economy here in Iowa and other places uh, as a as a fiber and as a source of oils and other things. And so the farmers here are, you know, they don't think of it as an evil wheat. They think of it as, you know, one more piece of, of what they could what what they could plant and uh, how they could use their land. Joe, do you see that as well? Yeah, there's a lot of interest. Uh, producers are, are basically at a point where they're willing to try anything to try to make uh, because most of our traditional commodities right now are, are below the prices are at or below the cost of production, and and so yeah, when when uh, the farm bill passed and hemp hemp became where it could be uh, uh, RMA USDA RMA was going to be able to uh, provide crop insurance for it, which is kind of one of the last steps in terms of if you want to try to secure a production loan and you have, you're going to commodity, you can't insure, it's very difficult for lenders to go with farmers on those. So that was a big, big deal in terms of uh, moving hemp production forward. Um, you know, I get if I get three calls a day, it's one of them is about hemp. So uh, uh, the, the, the big question is, is, is I keep, I don't want to be the downer that all most economists are but uh you, you need to know what you're going to do with it whenever you right. grow it um and so uh but it is something that anytime we provide a, a market or a new niche for producers to move some of their production into it reduces the supply of the crop that they would have produced and uh, it helps the market a little bit anyway I, I would imagine, Joe, and I, I believe you mentioned before about all of these secondary sources now that that ha- do produce levels of data on the farming sector uh, and how realistic their estimates are and how much farmers can go by them in comparison to the reports that come out from organizations like the USDA. Well, obviously, there's there's everybody has a good day and everybody has a bad day, but but there are there are a number of those sources that do have huge uh subscriptions so uh they track the same information that the 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 usda employees do uh maybe a little bit more lagged but but they try to do the same job i'm not going to say they're as good but there is there is some information out there and again there's there's quite a few of them that do it so um they must be doing something right if people are paying them for their service. Stefan? Yeah, no, I, I agree, Dan, with uh, with Professor Outlaw on that one. My my neighbor, Bill Kauser here, has an enormous cattle feeding facility. And in, in the cattle industry especially, they have some really excellent uh, subscriber data that they get. I think there's something called Cattle Facts, which kind of sounds like That's Car right. Facts. Um, and <laughs> so that, I think, you know, is... Uh, Another lesson that a lot of people are learning, including airports that are using private contractors and not uh, federally paid uh, TSA agents, because those airports uh, are not worried about TSA agents not showing up. In the same way, I think a lot of farmers are realizing that if we're going to have instability in Washington and if we're going to have political wars and government shutdowns, maybe they need to start relying on the private sector which you know doesn't like to shut down because that's bad for the business model. So right. uh, that could be in the future, I think, a shift away from USDA, uh, which which is probably good. You know, more diversity. Great having you both with us today. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Joe. All the best to you both, and uh, happy New Year to you. Same to you. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit 
knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.